Hello and welcome to this episode of Cargo Facts Connect, the podcast of Cargo Facts, the newsletter of record for the air cargo and freighter aircraft industries for over 40 years. I'm your host, Andrew Kreider, Associate Editor of Cargo Facts. And I'm Robert Luke, Associate Editor here at Cargo Facts. And I'm Jeff. I'm 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 all too excited uh, to, to introduce you. Um, we're we're proud of our editor today. Um, I speak for Robert and, and myself because you found Woo-hoo! a golden scoop uh, in DHL. Share with our listeners more what you learned. Sure, I'd love to. So yesterday we um, found that uh, there was evidence of. Um, a an interesting move from DHL um, being them uh, looking to acquire their first triple seven two hundred LR passenger aircraft. Um, now, as we know, there are ten X Delta Airlines triple seven two hundred LRs, um, and these are all slated to be converted with Mammoth freighters. Um, but the first one, the first two are already underway um, in Fort Worth, and these are going to be for CargoJet. Um, CargoJet has four um, that they are acquiring or have acquired from Mammoth, and which left six. Now, these six remaining aircraft in the past several months uh, were acquired by JetTran. And um, more recently, five of these um, were announced to be part of a, a short-term lease deal with Air India um, for their growing passenger operations. Um, so that left one, and that one um, now appears to be uh, in the process of being purchased by DHL. Um, so there's a lot to say about this but um perhaps the most one of the most interesting things is that um DHL of course is already adding a bunch of new 777 freighters uh, production freighters um and clearly they are just, you know keen desperate uh, to add more large wide body capacity and um, they are doing that um, by picking up their first uh, of what I would assume to be uh, at least several uh, of these 777-200LRs um, and then having them converted with Mammoth. Um, you know, this the 777-200LRMF is fairly similar. Uh, the end product is fairly similar to the um, existing uh, production 777-freighter. So, um, and DHL, of course, even with its other aircraft types, uh, you know, like the 767, for example, it also has um, new build 767-300 freighters, um, as well as 767-300-BCFs and 767-300-BDSFs. So they're no stranger to um, operating various uh, types of one particular model. Um, so, and the other interesting thing is that, um, you know, they are 
what would seem to be the first um, of the, the three major integrators to um, basically commit or move ahead with um, one of these next generation large wide body programs. Um, you know, of course, the other ones being the um, 777-AF and the other being the A350 um, freighter. So they are moving ahead with 777 conversions, but uh, that doesn't mean that they're not also looking at um, the other program. So we'll see what happens. But um, in the meantime, um, we'll yeah, we'll see how many they end up, how many of these 777-200 LR conversions they end up doing um, and where they uh, will place them because CargoJet, uh, the other 777-200 LRMF customer, um, will actually be operating its own four um, 777-200 LRMFs for DHL as part of that agreement they announced last year. So, you know, one option I see would be uh, potentially DHL placing these um, conversions with CargoJet, um, which will already um, be operating that that type. So, uh, yeah, so there's just a lot of interesting stuff um, in this in this story. Jeff, I want to ask you, could you describe the the feedstock? I know they're X Delta. Are these younger, older? What? Tell me more about them. They are not that old. Um, and so this one was 2009. And, you know, they, they in terms of cycles, these haven't really haven't um, done that many. And of course, they were parked, um, you know, late 2020. So yeah, these these are pretty good um, feedstock frames, um, and you know the, the DHL is um, doesn't have any problem with um, just you know acquiring used aircraft um, passenger feedstock. They even added a, um, a used triple seven production freighter um, recent or last year. Um, so yeah, they they just um, yeah they they have all kinds of. Uh, freighters, all kinds of pages and different conversion types. So it's just a, a very, very diverse fleet. Well, this is all very, very big news, especially um, on the heels after IAI's first flight of their triple seven um, uh, prototype. Um, so we're we're happy to see this from Mammoth, and this is great news. Uh, we celebrate Jeff for this outstanding reporting. I believe it was an exclusive. Uh, but because we are a fair and balanced publication, we spent the first beginning of the podcast discussing Jeff's triumphs. Let's even the playing field because Jeff, you have the wrong opinions on the needle. The and I talk, of course, of Boeing's seven five seven freighter. And I'm going to turn to Robert Luke for more on that. Thank you. I appreciate that, Andrew. And again, congratulations, Jeff. That was a, a very exclusive uh, news break that not everyone else has except for Cargo Facts. But getting into the topic here, I do believe that we have a little bit of a standoff here uh, when it comes to the narrow body freighter conversions that go the extra mile. When we're looking at the A321 making its strong presence felt and the 757 that is now basically letting the A321 know, hey, we're not going out without a fight. And the reason I said that is because this week, AAR stepped in and acquired nine more ex-American Airlines 757-200s, 
with the uh, purpose of providing additional support, whether it's feedstock, engine, or component support directly to the 757 Freighter Program. And I would like to just say for an airplane that started its production in 1981 and ceased the production line in 2004, this is monumental. Um, it's definitely test of, uh, it's definitely time tested. It's a, a freighter that's proven its worth. If you look at the uh, power to uh, load capability ratio, it far exceeds it in that category. I mean, there are some pros and cons from an aspect of the 7.5 probably has a higher fuel burn rate per hour, but you know, when you can carry almost 60,000 pounds of cargo anywhere within its uh, range specs, it's definitely something that's hard to beat. So I see based on uh, comments that were made from AirSail, and we do want to recognize their commitment to the program, uh, when they even told CargoFax back in December that they saw a long-term need for the aircraft and were definitely investing in it, we're starting to see some more of that effect uh, taking place with different um manufacturers and supporters of the program as we referenced the AAR but in addition to that um, precision conversions also stepped in and opened up a conversion line recently and they did so with uh, this group down in Louisiana called um, AVEX I believe it is and they are now even at the as they face the end of their program uh, showing a need to open up another conversion line just to finish out the orders that continue to come in for the aircraft so I think that speaks not only just volumes, but it shows that they're not willing to just slowly fade away. And I'm very happy for that because I'm a true avid fan of the 7, 757. So thank you, AVEX down in Louisiana, for opening up that new line and letting these uh, established seasoned 757s have one more go around in the air cargo sector to continue providing valuable service to, to customers globally. Um, but I do like to see the competition. I do think the A321 is going to be a very, very strong uh, freighter in the market. But, you know, if I had to make my choice, which I won't because I will keep it neutral, I think they both have a, a purpose in the market. And I think both of them will be something that the industry will need for years to come. So um, that being said, I'll pass it on back for any questions that you guys want to have. Please feel free to reach out and let us know. We'll be glad to do some research on it some more and answer them for you. But I'm going to pass it back to Andrew as uh, we continue to see the 757 live on a few more years. Jeff, your rebuttal. Well, yeah, I, I just think that the timing of this um, is interesting. And one question I have is why uh why, well why now but also as we know air sale acquired that um huge batch of um these ex-american 757s um 24 of them and you know is eventually going to have converted most of these but why were these uh nine uh not included in that deal um and you know, on a related note, why um, why didn't Airstyle end up acquiring these nine? Um, now, a kind of an half answer to that is, um, as we saw, Airstyle actually acquired one of these uh, from AAR. So, yeah, I, I just um, I that's just something I'm I'm wondering. And you know, that is a good question, um, and, and and I don't have a direct answer. But I think it speaks to the value that the aircraft brings to the to the cargo sector. And when you look at it from that aspect, it's more than capable of doing what the A321 does. 
the only difference is, is that it's just an older variant. And um, if I'm not mistaken, it carries a little bit more than the A321 as well. If we look at the payload capacity and compare the, and compare between the two airframes. Um, again, I, I think um, the 7.5 is just a unique uh, freighter as far as what its capacity is, what its range capability is, and what um, you know what it's been doing for years, and it's evidenced by the number of 757s in the active uh, fleets of express in, uh, integrators like UPS and FedEx and DHL, um, and pretty much um, if you look at over in China, SF Airlines recently, not just over um, you know the past five or ten years, but they've been loading up on the 75s as well, and and this is in the midst of the introduction of the A321. So I think that there's still a lot of value that's being uh, driven from the airframe as a freighter. And I think a lot of operators are recognizing that and deciding to go with it, even as it's uh, nearing the end of its uh, freighter production cycle. Well, Robert, you're, you're certainly right. And I can verify that by checking the Cargo Facts Freighter Guide, which according to our guide, the 757200 PCF uh, slash SF can carry around 4,000 more kilograms, offering an additional position to the A321-200 P2F. Um, but rather than compare the, uh, the, the 7.5 with the A321, um, I, I can almost want to give you an analogy, Robert, and see where that takes your mind. One of the other stories this week we saw came from Canadian North, which is a um, um, operator in Canada specializing in hard to reach areas. And we're talking about isolation. And then in, in Canada, you kind of see a niche for the 737 classic of operating on improvised landing strips and um, other very isolated hard to reach areas. And you see that kind of echoed in Latin America as well, with a variety of 737 classic operations. Um, now, it, we're still several years away from the 757 reaching the, sim, the same age profile um, as a 737 classic, but do you see a niche role for the 757 to fill in the decade to come? You know, that's a good question. And, you know, I would say looking at it from that angle, I do believe there's opportunity in the secondary markets when the primary operators start unloading them in, in, in uh, great, greater quantities. Um, are we there yet? I don't think so. If I had to give my personal opinion on the matter, I, I honestly believe the 7.5 has at minimum at least another strong five years, possibly seven, before you start seeing a strong reduction in fleet operations of the aircraft type. And if that's the case, to just focus more on your on an answer to your question, I could definitely see them filling in and ably filling in the roles that the 737 Classic is currently doing in the uh, the greater regions of the secondary market operations up north, as you mentioned, and down in the Latin American and even in the Asian Pacific regions because of its uh, strength and capability uh, from a carrying capacity, its engine power, and um, you know the ability to carry those uh, loads over great ranges. I definitely could see that it could enter a market segment for some of the younger freighter variants that are, you know, 
probably within the 15 to 18 year window right now that are in operation as freighters on the 757 side. Certainly. I, 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 I mentioned the Canadian North reporting, um, but I, what I should have mentioned was um, their most recent conversion was actually of the uh, 737-400 combi uh, into full freighter status. Um, Jeff, have you seen that conversion before from a combi to full freighter? Yeah, so this was also really interesting. And um, we, well, first, of course, the the conversion itself from a combi to a full freighter is much um, easier than a, you know a full passenger version to a freighter because it's it's already got half uh, basically half you're already halfway there uh, well yeah there's the cargo doors already there it's just the the interior but what's interesting is um, we haven't seen a combi a 737 combi to full freighter conversion for a while a few years in fact and the one that i yeah the, the ones that i can think of um are um a batch of alaska airlines um 400 combis that were then converted to full freighters and that was um i guess i think in 2019 around uh, yeah around that time um there i believe there was one um 300 um or that may have been a quick change uh to or quick change or a combi um to a full freighter um that was also done um in copesa i think uh but there just uh, there aren't that many of these 737 uh combis still uh flying and actually uh, most of them are in canada with other carriers so it's just um, because of how unique Canada is and um, the in terms of both, uh, you know, the terrain and the market and just so, yeah, there, there, there is, a, an, I guess, a niche that these classic combis do fill. But um, going forward, uh, I guess we would have to ask ourselves, uh, are these going to all these carriers carriers gonna look at continue to look at the combi configuration in which case only the 737-700 flex combi um, program by PEMCO uh, is available um, or are they gonna move more toward the full freighter um, type which uh, you know they can also do the 700 full freighter or um, the 800 so um, and they they we based on the conversations we've had with them they but now that many of them are still just preferring to to hold on to these classics, but eventually that decision will have to be made. So um, we'll see what happens. We will certainly await and see and report back when we have more. Um, I, I, we're, we're taking a while here. We're almost out of time, but I want to close with something that I find um, very interesting. Um, and that would be news from Russia's cargo carrier, Airbridge Cargo. This is a part of the Volvic Dnepr group. Ever since the outbreak of the war in Ukraine, uh, after Russia was hit by sanctions following their invasion, uh, Russian operators were put into very difficult positions, not able to source parts for Western-built Airbus and Boeing aircraft, um, which is 
fueling a drive that we haven't seen since uh, the Cold War uh, back in the Soviets, where Russia will have a dependence on domestically produced aircraft. Um, we've, we've been following um, Airbridge Cargo for the entirety of the conflict to see wh what their move would be, and it looks like we're close to an answer. Recently, Russian aircraft, um, the Russians, the MSN, simply too long for me to attempt to recite, but this is <laughs> a 2009 vintage Illusion 96 400T, the 400T being the cargo variant of the uh, four-engine um, aircraft originally manufactured by the Soviet Union, a longer-range variant of the Illusion 86. Now, the Illusion 96 is also notable for serving as the Russian presidential aircraft and being Russia's own M-47 equivalent. It never caught on um, as, as produced, largely because Boeing and Airbus had already fit the need for that size of aircraft. But now that sanctions, demand has returned. Um, this aircraft was seen on Russian social media and telegram channels in Airbridge cargo colors. Um, uh, recently, the aircraft is going to be powered by four Progress 90 engines. Um, now, the Illusion 96 is capable of being equipped with Pratt & Whitney engines, um, but that certainly won't be an option given the current economic conditions. Something I find uh, very interesting and will hope to hear more as information becomes available. Yeah, I'm curious to see um, where those planes are going to fly to, seeing that they still have a lot of airspace restrictions imposed upon Russian operators right now. But to be continued, I suppose. Right now, um, it, 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 we can't, it's going to be difficult to say where the IL-96 will be deployed. Um, we know uh, Airbridge Cargo um still operates a fleet of Antonov 124s one of them it stranded in uh Toronto which has accumulated more than $400,000 of fines since it's the closure of Canadian airspace to Russian aircraft um we know with the um 124s and um Aleutian um 76 aircrafts um Bulgan and Epper and Airbridge still operate into Asia, Vietnam, Iran, um, China. Um, time will only tell where these aircraft pop up as soon as they are identified on publicly available sources. Just a minor point: the those one twenty fours are operated by Volga Nepper Airlines, not Airbridge Cargo. They're the same group. But thank you for the clarification. Well, with that, um, that is all of the time we have for today. Um, I want to thank you for tuning in. Um, for more multimedia coverage like this, search Cargo Facts Connect on iTunes and Spotify and search CargoFacts.com. Thank you for tuning in and join us again next time.